She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 131, Transforming Your Passion into a Business with Coriel Lesphere. Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Hello, She Did It Her Way listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the She Did It Her Way podcast. Happy Thursday or whenever you guys are tuning in. Thank you so much as always for tuning in and I love nothing more than meeting listeners in person. So I went back to my alma mater last week, Thursday and Friday, and I got to meet some of the students. You guys, if you're listening right now, you guys rock. You're awesome. I could name all of you. Well, yes, there were a ton of you and you guys were so inspiring because it's just, it was so nice to be around. Like you guys are so hungry and eager and inspirational. So anyway, you guys and a couple other people that I've met throughout like my journey and, and traveling and whatnot. And so it's just so refreshing and it inspires me when I get to meet the listeners. So thank you guys for that. And as always, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Today's guest, Coriel, is the founder of Lift Up Lift and she has always had a burning desire, a fire inside of her fueled towards uplifting women, lifting up women. And she never knew what to do with that fire until she heard the story of a 19-year-old computer science entrepreneur. And on a reflective walk with her dog, she decided to create an online network for women to come together and help others prosper. And so part of her online network is that it's women who have businesses that sell um their services or sell their products, if you will. It's kind of like Etsy, but it's it's made for women to sell their goods. And so in this episode, we'll talk about how to find a way to hone your big ideas without giving up a fundamental service, learn how to recognize and act on your ambition to lead, and see how to spot a need for a business in an industry amongst other things. I really believe, and I know you guys are going to enjoy this, so make sure you stay tuned for the episode with Coriel on transforming your passion into a business. Yay. Okay. Hi, guys. We're back with another um, episode interview, and I have Coriel Heath Lesper, such a beautiful name, on <laughs> the show today, and she is the founder of Lift Off Lift. So Lift Up Lift. There we go. So how are you doing today, Coriel? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm so honored. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us what it is that you you do, and then we'll dive into the journey how you got there. Sure. Um, so I wear all the hats. I do all the things. <laughs> um, I'm the founder and the visionary behind two companies um, that share the Lift Up Lift name and mission. LiftUpLift.com is our for-profit company, and it's it's a, it's the women power platform. We provide the technology tools that women really need the most to uplift themselves and one another locally and worldwide. So a big part, really the heart of our platform is an e-commerce one. It's an e-commerce marketplace where anyone can shop directly from women-owned businesses all around the world. And it's the only marketplace online, actually, where you can shop. And it's entirely populated by women-owned businesses. So the, um, 
the transactions that happen in that marketplace benefit our nonprofit company called Lift Up Lift Worldwide. Mm -hmm. And our nonprofit is dedicated to ending violence against women. Okay, so talk to us then, what was the inspiration behind Lift Up Lift and how did you, I mean, what was your first step in starting it? So my story and Lift Up Lift are so fundamentally intertwined that it's really, it's easiest to understand Lift Up Lift if you hear it through my story. Um, Because I, I really, I was inspired to dedicate my full time and energy to my life's greatest passion, which is women power and unlocking the full potential of women and girls. And I was inspired by um, a, hap- a chance encounter with a young woman from India. Um, her name was Afreen Rahman. Her name is Afreen Rahman. And she was at the time studying abroad and working as an intern, a computer science intern for a Chicago based female-owned technology company. Mm. So I met her through another local Chicago women entrepreneurs organization called Ms. Tech, which did, and I think still does, monthly meetups, monthly lunch meetups. And so um, I went to these regularly and Afreen was visiting for the first time. And so she got the chance to introduce herself and talk a little about her background But then she said, if anyone wants to talk to me more about life for women in India and what it's like being, you know, a woman in building a technology career in India, just come and let me know. I would love to talk to you. And I was I was fascinated um, by her boldness and how eloquent she was. And she was only 19. And she, you know, she was on this adventure of a, of a lifetime. And she was also just willing to sit down in a language that wasn't her native language and share her story and build these bridges with other women entrepreneurs, you know, a little cultural exchange, a little networking. And so I largely just inspired by her charisma, I asked if I could interview her. So we set up an interview sort of like this about two weeks after that. And it what was supposed to be a, an hour long interview became a three hour long oh conversation. My, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but really she, and actually back in, in India, she has won awards for debate and for just general oratory com- competitions. So she actually is just a very eloquent, very intelligent young woman, um, a staunch feminist who has you know, grown up in a culture that is very anti-feminist still. Um, and what she did for me was sort of open my eyes to what life would be like for someone as passionate as I am about women power in a country where not all women are free, you know, just basic freedom. He, you know, I asked her the biggest difference between life for women in India versus in the United States. And that was her answer. She said, all women here are free. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. (laughs) Just such a simple, you know, that's not what I would have expected her to say, really, something as simple as that. But where she comes from, um, you know, women are still violently oppressed in many families and communities. And, you know, especially to be a feminist and a young feminist like she is, is not a safe thing. So I was just really inspired by her bravery Mm -hmm. all around. Yeah, I oh, really a friend of mine, a friend of a friend who um, 
this woman was a dentist. I mean, she's still practicing dentistry right now, but she went over, I think it was um, in Iraq, and she was doing dental work on, um, it just slipped me, but the... I forget what you call the group of people who the, are the, the rebels, I believe it is, who like America might be scaling up or supporting their army staff. And she, oh, okay, okay. yeah, if that makes sense. And she was saying that as she was working on one guy, um, she got introduced to this I, Iraqi who needed dental work. And he told the translator that he would not let her work on her because <sighs> obviously in Iraq, like, the way women are portrayed and looked down upon. And she basically told the translator, tell him if he doesn't want me to work on him, no one's going to. And Mm -hmm. then whatever the translator said was like the guy took it. And so then she worked on him, but it's just, it's some of those, those uh, awareness pieces that we don't really think about in our world that we live. I mean, it's all relative. It's whether you're male, female or any, anyone. Um, We just, yeah, unless we have that awareness piece, we don't ever really think about it, but that's, that's a, yeah, it's another reminder of that. Yeah. Yeah, um, it really was, it was an incredible sort of fateful opportunity to have that reminder, um, you know, because I have a, I have a degree in global studies and, and sociology. And so I've sort of spent some of my life studying human rights on an international scale. Um, and I'm aware, uh, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about women's empowerment is that I'm aware that this this work is not nearly complete um, and that women and girls around the world really need to be uplifting each other. This is, this is a huge human agenda item for us. So getting this opportunity to have my eyes opened by Afreen made me realize that I was holding myself back from doing the thing that I thought was most important that I, um, you know, that I cared about the most, which was empowering women So I started at that point to think about ways that I could make my full-time career women's empowerment. Mm -hmm. And I looked at different organizations and, you know, like the YWCA Chicago um, to see what career opportunities there were. And I really wasn't finding the thing that looked like an opportunity to optimize my potential. You know what I mean? I really wanted to do as much as possible. If I was going to commit myself fully to my passion, I wanted to be able to contribute my all. So a few months went by and I didn't find the right opportunity and I was struck with the idea for a business. And until that point, I hadn't considered entrepreneurship as an option. I don't know. I don't really know why that was. Um, I had never really seen myself as an entrepreneur before that point. So I was just in the mindset of, you know, needing to find a job. But I I remember very clearly I was walking my dog and um, I was thinking about how if there were more female perspective in consumer culture, I probably, growing up, I would have had a much more empowered view on myself as a woman and a girl. I was just, I was thinking about how my, my mother and father, both of them were extraordinarily supportive. And I was trying to understand where some of the, the more negative or misogynistic messages that I've internalized have come from. For example, I had an eating disorder and I really just couldn't understand why I had developed this eating disorder, which, 
you know, had came and went during my college years, but it really being a very strong feminist, it always bothered me that I had succumbed to these cultural pressures about women's bodies and the pressure to shrink ourselves. And so I was, I'm walking my dog and I'm just reflecting on this, this topic that sort of plagues me. And and I thought, you know, if there were more women's voices out there in the advertising, in the marketing, in the business world, our consumer culture, that's where all these messages are coming from. And if if it wasn't just, you know, men talking to us, if there were more women out there putting out authentic portrayals of women and girls, then we would have, you know, this wouldn't be a problem. Mm. I connected in that moment the, you know, female entrepreneurship. That was the first time I saw it as a, a solution, as a creative mechanism for changing our culture. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like it's funny. The thing that came to mind was um, whenever I, I don't it's not like this conversation takes place a ton of times, but you always hear the thing of like women dress up for other women. They don't really dress up for for guys. Like if you're heterosexual, yeah. right? And right. It's to impress the other women. It which is like, I I totally, I could totally see that. And so from your point, it's about other women lifting up other women. So yeah. I didn't mean to like derail you on there. I was just like, oh, I had an aha moment. <laughs> no, really, it, it was a very. It's sort of hard to explain this aha moment again without sort of tying it into my backstory and my own life experience. But, you know, I know a lot of women who have struggled from eating disorders and then all other types of what I would consider like cultural victimization that happens to women during you know, our girlhood. Um, and like I said, I realized that a lot of it was coming out of our consumer culture. So at that point, I, my next thought was, I wish it were easier to shop from women. I wish there was a place where like it was all these messages and the products and everything was all coming from women. And so I went looking for something like that on the web, something like an Etsy, but for women owned businesses. And I couldn't find it. And I was sort of shocked by that. I, I was shocked that there was no way for me to shop women owned because the more I looked, you know, I started looking for like a directory of women owned businesses that sell to consumers and that that doesn't exist. And I realized that, you know, it's not like I can spot them on the street if I wanted to be shopping women owned. They're not painted pink or, and there's not really, there's not like a window sticker. It was actually impossible, I discovered, to shop from women owned businesses. This really basic way that I could be supporting other women in my day to day life, something I really wanted to do, it just wasn't possible. So I, I thought, well, man, I should create that. <laughs> and that's that entrepreneurial aha moment I was I was telling you about. It was this moment where I thought I should make that. I I bet I could make that. I could create that thing that I need and that I believe other people need as well. And it sort of spiraled from there. I I took, you know, I took the idea and I ran with it. I did a lot of research at that point. I looked into, you know, I really tried to see if there was anything out there any precedent for shopping women owned and it seemed to be sort of a trend that was catching on. I found a survey from Walmart where they had talked to their customers and found out that 90% of their female customers would go out of their way to shop from women owned businesses, believing that women offer them a higher quality product. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, okay, this is a thing. <laughs> and at that point, Walmart had like partnered with one of the national women-owned business registries and we're starting to label their products in stores as women-owned. So I I started to find little pieces of evidence like that 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 validated that I could 
continue pursuing this idea, this business idea that there was a market there, um, that it was a unique solution that that people really needed. And that's really important in the tech space. There's a lot of copycatting in the tech space, but to build a real, you know, a, one of the billion dollar tech companies, you need you need to be able to identify a need that nobody else has even thought of solving yet. Mm-hmm. There's something truly disruptive. Yeah. So when did you when did you initially start then the build out of the marketplace online? So the well, <laughs> and, and did you have that transition between like a full time job then entrepreneurship or what did that look like? So about three months after I had the idea for Lift Up Lift, I I told my my employers that I would be leaving to start my own business, and actually they said does it have something to do with empowering women? <laughs> and I said, yes, it does. And they were all very happy for me. So I started at that point to put a team together. I, in my prior job, had the opportunity to lead a team of designers and developers based in Uruguay, because that's where the company I was working for is actually headquartered. Oh, wow. So I had access to, you know, offshore, so low cost, um, talent that I needed that I already had a working relationship with and knew I could trust. So that was a huge transitional um, stepping stone for me was having that from my prior position and being able to take those people with me and their willingness to to you know come on to this project, this very big project I I came at them with. Yeah. So then and, and forgive me going I'm um like when you decided that you were gonna leave your company in three months, did you like what sort of preparation did you do? Did you like make a business plan? Did you save? Or I mean, what were some of the, how did you prep? Or I guess like, I'm trying to think now my mind just went to a score moment, but um, like prepping to take that jump. Oh, I didn't really. <laughs> um I, I mean, I really didn't. I, I, ha- I will answer honestly here because it's sort of, it's sort of ridiculous. I know I, I appreciate save. that. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what the podcast is about is the candid conversation. So I'm all about it, girl. I just I you know what I I had this moment of realization when I did decide to leave my job that I was I had less responsibility now. You know, I don't have children yet. I, I don't have a home mortgage. Um, and I have more support. I also had access to support from my parents at this point, And my husband was working full time. So it was just, you know, I, I had the support system that I needed. I felt like I was in the right market. Chicago has a lot of resources and networks for women entrepreneurs. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I did an evaluation of the situation and decided that the time was right. But I really didn't save up any money to do this. I had some savings. But, um, you know, it wasn't like I had been preparing financially to become an entrepreneur. I just felt, you know, I was sort of overwhelmed by passion. I really was so enthusiastic about this. And I felt like, and still feel like I was, I was doing what I meant to do with my life. And so I, even though I was vastly underprepared by most measures, I I took the leap anyway. And I I haven't regretted it. Although I, it has sort of been challenging (laughs) to do this without. Well, so how many years, how long have you been in business um, doing this for them? So two and a half years. I've been, I've been at it for about two and a half years. I, I launched the MVP of our marketplace just this past November. Ooh. What did you learn? Um, Yeah. So talk about 
You launched Lift Up Lift, and then you launched the marketplace. You said this past November. What were some of the things that you had um, assumed that would happen, or just like the outcomes that would happen, and then what didn't happen, and what did happen happen versus what you like what you thought would? Well, in general, I'd say there are three three big things that that I was unprepared for or had over or underestimated. The first being how long it would take to build the technology, which is like the single most common error for any technology founder. Because something always goes wrong. Team members in and of themselves may come and go throughout the process, which is what happened with us. So I thought it was going to take a ludicrous just three months, three months to build a a multi-vendor marketplace. And part of it was just ignorance. I had no idea how complex the technology was that I wanted to build. Um, And part of it was just, you know, the reality of it, that it was a very complex piece of technologies. There was a lot of troubleshooting that went into it, a lot of testing that went into it. and And we just wanted to do it right. So we've got our beta out there now and it works great, but it just, it took about a full year and a half to get to that point. Yeah, no, I, I bet. I mean, I've never, I've never built a website outside of the ones that are on Squarespace. So I think anything above and beyond templates, I can yeah. only imagine could be very complicated. It really is. It, And that was my experience going into it. I had only built using WordPress templates before. Mm-hmm. And and I I am the chief engineer at this point of Lift Up Lift that liftuplift.com. I've just recently found our CTO who will be joining the team and taking that over from me, but I I learned to code in that year and a half in and in order to build this. Um so it was I, I mean the the thing that I guess number 2 on my list that I would say I didn't expect was that I would be able to learn to code. I never gave myself credit for actually being the engineer of this technology project. I always assumed I would outsource that and sort of just be the visionary and the alliance builder. But but I'm very proud that I it was when it came down to it, we needed we needed me to step up and learn how to code and and bring my own vision to life and I was able to do that and and now I know how to code, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, there's a lot that I still don't know. And I, I do recognize that I I am not meant to be our chief engineer in the long term. But it was still something that that I'm glad I accomplished and that I had to accomplish. And what um, when you launched the marketplace, what or even when you launched Lift Up Lift, did you have a plan for like generating revenue or how that was going to work or how you wanted to bring it in? That was the third thing on my list. Oh. I had totally, I totally thought we would be, you know, self-sustaining relatively quickly mm. using the marketplace transaction model, which is to take a very small percentage of each sale. Um, and that is that is a revenue model that works great, but it only works at enormous scale, where mm-hmm. there are you know millions of shop millions of shoppers and thousands and thousands of sellers at the very least. And marketplaces face this chicken and egg problem. How do you get sellers without any customers? And how do you get any customers without any sellers? And yeah. so it, it really like we had to completely overhaul our revenue model. It, which actually is, is a good thing for us because it forced us to recognize that there's a lot of value in lift up lift above and beyond the marketplace. 
Mm-hmm. What did you find? Like, how did you come up with the ideas to generate revenue for the business outside of the um, marketplace? Yeah. So I, you know, I did some reading and I talked to other people that have some experience in e-commerce marketplaces. And I, I heard over and over again, you need to create value for one side of that two-sided audience that has nothing to do with the marketplace. Oh. So for us, that was, you know, immediately when I heard that, I thought, okay, well, that's the women-owned businesses. And what we do for them is that we're sort of like a chamber of commerce, we, we bring them together so that they can combine their power and resources. We provide educational and networking opportunities for them. Um, you know, we've brokered discounts at our trusted service providers. We, we provide all kinds of membership benefits, essentially, on top of the opportunity to, to do real good in the world and to do it by uplifting other women. So we built into our revenue model this membership so it either costs $1,000 for a lifetime membership or $300 per year. And that's a requirement to sell in the marketplace. But um, like women investors have joined the alliance, community leaders. It's, it's an alliance of powerful women. It's not just women entrepreneurs. So we've actually we've created something that is bigger than the marketplace. This alliance of powerful women is themselves on a mission to uplift women and we dedicate 25% of what we collect from them annually, those membership fees, goes back to them so they can do local-level initiatives that are you know, everything from scholarship programs for entrepreneurial girls in, in their high school systems to sponsoring conferences for women entrepreneurs to come together. So it's, a, it's this like very complex global and local system of women combining their power in a way that uplifts them and their communities and women on a global scale. <laughs> you, oh my gosh. How do you, like what sort of tools or resources do you use to manage all the moving parts and communication? So we, now that we've got liftuplift.com up and running, we're trying to increasingly use the, the group collaboration tools that are built into our platform. <sighs> will be a, it's <laughs> you know it's our technology so we have to embrace it first but that is a shift for our team we've been using just like basic google tools a lot of it is powered by google we do google hangouts for our team check-ins we use google drive for our shared documents all of my team emails we're all communicating through gmail um I have to give a major shout out to Google. I think yeah, it's Google the- <laughs> is the bomb, which, okay, this is, totally. I feel embarrassed to say this. Um, I did not have Google business or whatever it's called for the longest time. And then I was watching a YouTube video and I'm like, oh, what is Google business? Like I had thought it in my head as one thing other than what it really like actually is. And then I finally looked at it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, really? Like it's only $5 a month to get your website or your like business email. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck was I thinking this entire time? Like anyway, yeah, massive kudos to Google. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) I also, you know, I'm traveling all the time. So I'm using Google Maps. If I really think about it, I can pay five bucks per month to Google for all the services they provide me. Right. No, for sure. <laughs> so um, talk to us a little bit of like, how do you determine what ne- like the next steps to take in your business? What is a good 
direction or um, how do you evaluate where to go next or how do you evaluate to invest your time and energy and resources? Sure, sure. So, I mean, a lot of it comes down to money. It's, a you know, we're a business and even on our nonprofit side, we've it, going from startup mode to sort of growth phase has entailed focusing on the things that we've tried that have worked and giving up on the things that we've tried that just don't work as well. So we really focus on, especially on our for-profit side on the marketplace, we're focusing on growing those memberships, um, you know, bringing more paying members into our alliance. We're focusing on um, grants on the nonprofit side. Anything that we've done that has actually gotten traction and brought in money, that's our focus this year. We're, you know, we're going into our third year of business. I think that's pretty common for other businesses at this age is that you figured out what worked and and now it's time to do that and do it well and do it scalably. Mm-hmm. That is okay. So you just to recap and correct me if I'm um, wrong. When you first launched, you had the marketplace and it was doing so so but not exactly where you thought you anticipated to see it. And so then you really mm-hmm. focused in on one side of the um obviously you have two different markets that you're bringing together but you focused on the one market which is really empowering the business owners and became somewhat of a chamber yeah. of commerce and then through that it sounds like you've seen the marketplace actually grow because of that is that correct yes okay cool definitely so it it worked i mean really well we had to be really willing to adapt and change and <laughs> and there were definitely moments where it was it was cry worthy, I guess. I me, I personally had moments of crying. I know other team members had moments of crying. It's just hard to build a business and then to have something not work, something as core as like, oh my gosh, our revenue model doesn't work. <laughs> but our business sort of exists. We had already built components like the technology and we had this big network of women who were really enthusiastic about our mission and we just had to figure out how to how to work with what we what we had. So we made the network side of that th- that work for us. That's um, that's amazing. Okay, so let's talk a, bit, a little bit about like how you've changed as an individual ever since you stepped into entrepreneurship. Um, how do you know when to say yes to things and when to say no to things when it comes to even like, oh, let's grab a coffee. I mean, I, and I ask that like because my personality and people know this that I've said this before, like in the biz early on. It was almost like, how many coffees can you meet for people? And then I realized, like, I was feeling so dang drained, like, and it wasn't productive. So then you begin yeah. to a place where you're like, thanks, but I, I really, like, I can't, um, I can't meet. Like, I asked someone to speak at an event that I'm hosting in April, and I totally applaud this woman. She was like, I really can't do anything unless it's, like, benefiting the sales growth of my startup at this time. And I'm like, damn, girl, you go. Like, you yeah. go. And it was a paid speaking thing. And I'm like, girlfriend, wow. you go. Like, so – circling back to you how do you say no to things how do you say how do you determine what you say yes and no to I am not all that good at it yet (laughs) that is one of my weaknesses um I mean as a member of our team actually I'm like the worst at saying no to things so my team members will sometimes try to handle this problem by diverting things around me (laughs) um or just i because i just really have a hard time saying no to people to to opportunities to um and especially things like coffee meetups i'm i'm really the worst i go to way too many coffee meetups but i 
I sort of feel this responsibility to do it because it was so important to me when I was just getting started. Like I said, I, I did so many coffee meetups and I just sat down and listened to women and asked for advice and got it. And so I'm trying to pay that forward. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am sort of, I'm also trying this year to spend my time a bit more wisely. And one way that we're doing that is tracking our time um, and evaluating weekly. I now have a COO. And so I sent him my weekly time card. And I mean, this has only been happening since 2017. So we're a few weeks in, but it's actually been helpful to go back and see how I'm actually spending each of the minutes during my day, even though I do a thousand different things. Um, Do what type of tool or tracker do you use? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, sure. It's a free one. Um, It's called Toggle. Yeah. T-O-G-G-L.com. Yeah. It's amazing that it's free too. So you can even do it on your phone or your desktop. Yes. It's an, yeah, it's great. That's amazing. And that, yeah, the kudos for you for like doing that. Most people might not even take that step to track their time. So that's awesome. What do you, um, have you, like, how have you personally grown since you stepped foot into entrepreneurship up until this point? Like, what's the biggest shift that you can see within yourself? Hmm. Well, I. That's an excellent question. It's tough to say. I've been completely transformed by my business and by the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Um, Perhaps the greatest way that I have been transformed is the appreciation that I've gained for the support system I have. Um, You know, when I came to my parents and to my husband and to my family and friends and told them I was doing this and asked for their support. I told them it was going to take three months to build the technology (laughs) (laughs) and that we would be, you know, self-sustaining within the year. And, and it hasn't worked out that way, but they have, I, I mean, they have retained their passion and enthusiasm for the project and sort of been unwavering and supporting me. So I, I feel like I've matured. I've sort of been humbled and and also just awakened to how blessed I really am and how how much it really does take a village to build a business. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. It totally yeah. does. So I have a few rapid fire questions. The first question I have for you is um, if you were given $100 to spend on your business today, what would you spend it on? Hmm. That's a great question. Oh, we need so much. I don't know. <laughs> um, I would probably put it toward advertising, paid advertising. Mm-hmm. We never spend anything on advertising. So if I had a hundred dollar surplus, I would I would test some keywords and do a Google pay per click campaign. Yeah. Total. I advertise. I know that I was just saying to my other friend, like we spent thirty five dollars on Facebook ads, and we definitely saw a um, ROI on the reason why we're doing it. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, yeah, this is marketing advertising. Um, <laughs> what uh, What is the one thing like if you could snap your fingers and outsource in your business right now? What would it be? Oh, public relations. Oh, <laughs> how come? 
because it's the thing that I do best. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, so my, my master's is in public relations. And so I know exactly what we should be doing <laughs> to to optimize the PR value of Lift Up Lift, which I think is enormous. And I just, since I'm doing all the other things, I never get to spend as much time as I want to or that we should on PR. So I would I would outsource that right away because I value it really highly. Mm-hmm. And the last question I have for you is what is your favorite book and why? Ooh. Oh, um, hmm. Okay. Well, I will, I'll just be that person that says Harry Potter. Oh, okay. You were actually, I think the first person out of hundreds of interviews that I've done to say Harry Potter. I mean, I, I am just a child of the Harry Potter generation to a lot of my creative spirit came from writing Harry Potter fan fiction and plus JK Rowling, a female business magnet. Um, she, she's a great role model too. Yes. I would say Harry Potter shamelessly. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Gosh, I never got into Harry Potter. I tried reading it, got to page 50, lost the book. And then I was like, this is a sign. <laughs> but I have seen one of the movies. So anyway, Coriel, thank you so much for your time and being with us today. And can, if you wouldn't mind, just share with our listeners where they can find more information about you and your organization. Of course. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to come on your show and chat with you. Um, if anyone would like to learn more about Lift Up Lift's marketplace or our alliance of women-owned businesses, they can go to liftuplift.com. Um, everything you need to know is right there. Our nonprofit is at liftuplift.org. So if you'd like to get involved with our sexual violence prevention work and help us end violence against women, I encourage all of these things. We, we are eager to grow our alliance. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. I will I'll talk to you very soon. Bye, dear. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out SheDidItHerWayPodcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.